And hello, we are back. Ha <laughs> ha. This is the Northern Miner Podcast for the week of. I'm looking it up again. Hold on. It's the 18th today. It's the 20th. The 20th. Oh, happy birthday, Stephanie. Stephanie Stokes. <laughs> there we go. So, so August 18th. Uh, so this will be our episode for the week of the 22nd, I believe. It's probably wrong. I get it wrong every week. That's but okay. whatever. We're back. I am your uh, host with my co-host. So I'm Matthew Keeble. Leslie Stokes. And uh, yeah, so it's we're uh, I've I've kind of foretold this, but we're really getting into the dregs of summer now. I know, right? And the news flow is like pretty super slow. It's getting a bit slow out there. Like it's it's getting a little commodities aren't really moving as much. Everything's no. sort of just hanging around. It all just like happened a week. Ago. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we last week we had some of those big discoveries we talked about, which is oh yeah, great. they were I mean, cool. Uh, I was having this conversation with my dad. Um, a recently retired dad who's already like looking to get back in. Yeah, mind. right. Um, but uh, uh, I was talking to him, and he's like, "Well, what do you mean? There's no news? Isn't this when everybody's out drilling?" And I'm like, "Yeah, the camps are full, but the offices are all empty." Yeah. <laughs> so the corporate guys don't have to be back till September when the drill results start actually coming in. But yeah, all the camps are really busy right now. Um, so yeah, so we are looking at well, gold's back up a little bit. We'll go through our macro real quick here. Uh, everything's been really flat for like a month like every time i do this now it's just like it's the same uh so silver spot 1974 same uh <laughs> crude oil $48.23 a barrel same copper $2.18 a pound same, same. gold 1352 roughly right. an ounce the within same. the same range like we've been looking at 1350 to whatever 1330 for like six weeks so everything nothing's changed it's oh it's, it's, <laughs> there's nothing for me to really talk about in the macro i mean they some some analysts read the fed minutes the recent federal market minutes and said oh it looks like they might not raise rates this year i'm sick of talking about it yes oh my god <laughs> jeez this is just ridiculous so anyway so there's not a lot of like there's not gonna be a very full-bodied uh macro talk this week because there's just i'm just whatever everything's same. the same don't worry about it. Um, so, so we're here again. Um, what we will talk about a little bit in macro is uh, I covered the, what was really a headliner was um, BHP Billiton released their annuals uh, earlier this week or late last week. I can't recall. But it was like the headline was just spectacular because it was their worst ever financial performance. Is that what they titled it as? Well, no, I titled it that <laughs> because it is, it is the worst they've ever, historically since they've formed Set the since bar BHP low, Billiton merged. The worst uh, annual result that they have ever posted, Crazy. and and it was a result. Obviously, BHP is largely weighted towards iron ore, which is tanked copper which is tanked and oil which is their petroleum unit so last year and i i just said in the article it's like a microcosm for like every all the suffering throughout the entire industry these guys yeah. are just like you can see like anybody who's in base or energy or anything is just like yeah yeah we know we know it's terrible but anyway so what interesting i was um their ceo did a huge like rather extravagant webcast like this big video and all this stuff and uh so it was just interesting more so to talk about what their looking to buy into like they're like we we still really like copper and oil like we think it's like you know you hear this a lot but he's like everyone's now all the corporate chit chat it's gone from like copper like short to medium term to medium long they're like uh yeah they're like i don't know about in the next few years but in the next 10 it's gonna be awesome so it's good for that so so they just taught it chatted about how uh um yeah they're they're looking to pretty much grow all internally so no MA. like they don't want to do any MA, which makes sense because their debt load is pretty severe um and that they're really focused on copper and oil 
And then they actually said some nice stuff about Met Cool, which has actually been performing a little bit better. Tech's had a few good quarters in a row based on Met Cool prices going back into uh, triple digits. So BHP's um, management also said some nice things about their Met Cool division. Just so everybody knows, I mean, it was the worst <laughs> result they've ever had. They're like, don't worry, everything's cash. There's some silver lining. So that's the message I got from that. If you want a really detailed, I did an article on it, you can read a really detailed uh, uh, read into it. But one of the things that I am as Canadians will be interested in, is that big Jansen potash thing in Saskatchewan. And they're currently building, like, two shafts. And everyone's like, oh, God, fertilizer markets are so bad. Like, so bad. Like, almost, like, I don't know which is worse, uranium or fertilizer. Like, you know, and they could have a yeah. fight over which is which is worse. Um, but so, yeah, they did say, uh, if markets don't change, they're going to mothball the thing. <laughs> Basically, that's what they said in their conference call. So, anyone who's counting, like, Jansen, it, but the shaft sinking, I don't think, is supposed to be done until late 2018. So, was, at that point, they'll make the decision whether to proceed or mothball it. So, that was some of the interesting stuff I got out of the BHP stuff. Uh, don't expect too much um, M&A out of them, apparently. Um, same with a lot of companies. I think everyone's reinvesting their exploration dollars in internal growth pipelines. That's like the mm -hmm. sexy word now. Look at our internal growth pipeline. We don't have to buy anything. We have built-in growth from the last cycle. If I have to hear that again, yeah. they'll be, it, I'm just leaving. I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's where we are. That was Matt's rant. We've had Matt's rant. Uh, that was sort of macro rolled into the BHP stuff. Um, but... Uh, one of the cool things that we have this week um, is that Leslie got to dig into the geology of the East Coast. Is, yeah. that, is that correct? So, so, so that includes Nova Scotia, Newfoundland. I don't know if PEI even has anything. New Brunswick. New Brunswick. Yeah, yeah it's like PEI. Like you could walk across. Yeah. There could be this. Sand. You just go there. For yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. So, so is a lot of this coal seams. Or like, what, give us the dig in on the East Coast geology. On the East Coast geology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all the same. I yeah. got to seriously geo-nerd, you guys. Okay, let's do For it. the past week, it's been amazing. I'm ready. Um, well, yeah, so it's just like a result of the Appalachian orogeny. Yeah. Um, and so it's just all kind of the same sort of rocks. You know, you have a chunk of Africa... Then you have a chunk of like this old ocean called Iapetus. <laughs> and then you have a chunk of like um, ancestral North America. And it's all melanged it's into this huge mountain range that was like seriously the size of the Himalayas. Yeah. And then that was just leveled off. And that is East Coast. Okay, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> no, well, the cool thing that really stood out for me um, was on the East Coast is just how many VMS deposits there yeah. are out there. And they're huge. Like in Newfoundland, you have the Buckins. Yeah. Um, in uh, New Brunswick, right you is. have, no, not no, really. No, Labrador yeah. Trough is more iron. But more iron so in Newfoundland, you have the Buckins um, VMS camps. Yeah. And then you have in New Brunswick, the Bathurst mining camps. And I was looking at the numbers of that mm -hmm. and I was comparing it to Kapushi. Yeah. Right, which is kind of neat. So like, you know, you have Buckins that oh, produce like 16. 0.2 million tons of 14% zinc. And oh, then nice. you have Bathurst, which most of it came from number 12 mine. And it was 136.6 tons of 8.7% zinc. So this is these are big, yeah, big deposits, ever, right? Yeah, uh, been to Bathurst? No. It's a, it's a crazy, yeah, it's a mining town. It's such a mining town. <laughs> yeah. Well, I compared those numbers to Ivanhoe's Kipushi. Yeah. Um, and they have resources of 34.8 million tons of 34% zinc. Yeah. So very high grade, obviously. But, you know, somewhat comparable in terms of tonnages um, one way or another. So I thought it was just kind of neat to see all these uh, really VMS-rich deposits on the East Coast, yet 
pretty much only one producing mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that... Which is Trevally, and they just started. And that's an old mine. They restarted. Yeah, so it's all old. So it was kind of neat to see the amount of of metal that is there and relative to the number of people who are actually um, producing. So for me, I don't know. I thought it was kind of a a neat little point to make. See, I find Um, it interesting is that a lot, I think a lot of the challenges over there that I recall hearing about are metallurgical. There can be some trouble with metallurgy oh. due to the, um, the distribution of the, of the metals. Like, cause, uh, I know Trevally historically caribou, which is the mine Trevally is having some success restarting now. Uh, the issue there was a lot of it was met work because mm-hmm. uh, it was very finely disseminated. Um, so it was hard to float, I guess. Um, but they ended up working with Glencore who's been there. Glencore's like the big, Yeah, they've been there forever, right? Totally. And so they worked with them on the Met and ended up figuring it out. But I don't know if that's like a, a typical um, uh, situation or issue when you're working on the East Coast mm-hmm. where you might have, with these big polymetallic things, some a degree of... Well, at the end of the day, I look at it as like, there's contained metal. Like, yeah. there, there's a lot yeah. of it out there. So it was kind of neat to see. They've got some gold. But the only producing gold mine on the East Coast is Anaconda. Anaconda, at yeah. At Pine Cove. Yeah. But there's been some really cool things coming out of Marathon Gold at the yeah. time. Yeah, Marathon Gold's a cool Lake. company. That's yeah. a cool one. They've yeah. got some good results. Puddle Pond is coming up with brand new targets down in the Avalon Zone in Newfoundland, which Newfoundland. is crazy. Newfoundland, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't um, know what it is. It's totally unheard of to find gold down there. So, I mean, keep your eye on that space. They've got 5,000 meters planned this summer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and... So, did, did is there like a geological survey in, of Newfoundland? Did you go through... Totally, man. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, all yeah. my mates. Nice, nice, all nice. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm from Newfoundland, everyone. Oh, yeah, that's weird. I, think I, went to, I went to Memorial University. Oh, I met Hank Williams, and Hank Williams was the first guy who, like, basically pieced together the Appalachian orogenine. He, he drew the map. And it was like one of the biggest things in science because it helped put together the theory of plate tectonics. And then there's in like, the seventies. Then there's the Hank Williams, the honky tonk. And then there's Hank Williams honky tonk. That guy, that yeah. must be. That's an. That's <laughs> must get confusing. Yeah. Like, no, I'm the geologist, not the. Can you play some guitar? No, yeah. <laughs> I'm the geologist. I look at my kits uh, different. I don't have a guitar. Well, anyway, check out the yeah. article though, because I kind of go into it. I had a little bit of scope creep because I was just like well, how do I talk about the geology and not resources and not the companies who owns the resources? So it came into this big umbrella. Yeah, who's doing yeah. what and what kind of districts are there on the East Coast? So check it out if very you're curious broad, about what's going on. Very broad. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't go too specific in the geology because it's just a wormhole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't want to get into structural or anything because then well, you get I, well, giant, giant talkie talks from Mickey Fulp and stuff like that. <laughs> Transposition. Fish hooks and things. Fish hooks. Um, uh, so, yeah, so then, oh, check that out. That's in our, uh, in this week's edition, I believe we're running the Newfoundland Geological Have you noticed through the so. image that I used on it? It was like a clip of Newfoundland. Yeah. And I don't know if I did this secretly. Nobody at the Northern Miner knew I did this. Uh-oh. But I clipped the geology map to include Bonavista. Oh, okay. You know the song, Eyes of Eye, yeah, Catch the Fish? Eyes of Eye, Down yeah, in Bonavista. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I did it, everyone. Oh, there you so go. You know. snuck it in. It's like I a totally snuck Newfoundland it. I inside joke. I know. There we go. <laughs> so everyone, check it out. Now you have to check out the article to see what we're talking about. Because there's and a little. such a pretty a little Easter egg in there, as we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, as we, yeah as sure we, knows, right? Now? As millennials say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so one of the things I wanted to touch on was uh, I had a opportunity to um, have a chat with uh, Fred Pletcher, who is a uh, the chair of the mining group at BLG, big law firm in, in Vancouver. Um, and we had a chat about uh, people might have, have caught this uh, Hecla Dolly Varden situation. Um, where Hecla came in hostile on Dolly Varden. They already owned a percentage of the equity. 
Um, and then Dolly Varden went in ahead and did a private placement. And Hecla was like, well, we don't want you to do the private placement. We're going to be taking you over. So in the end, Hecla just backed off. Cause so um, what we were talking about was there's a, there was a change in Astral Instruments where the hostile takeover rules, they extended the deadline for bids from 35 days to 105. So basically what happened is there's a way longer period of time for like if you bid on somebody for it to sit there and for them to look around for like a white knight offer as we as we called it on our uh, during our chat the white knight offer um and interestingly one of the things fred told me was some stats on hostile takeover um figures in canada and he said around two-thirds of hostile takeover bids um generate a white knight offer so uh hostile bidders are only successful about a third of the time hmm. and he said based on the changes to this legislation where they're um basically what it does is kills off shareholder rights plans because shareholder rights plans are initially uh, sort of a company's attempt to broaden this 35-day window of an offer, like a hostile takeover. So they'd try to delay it by 60 days by enacting a shareholder rights plan and all that stuff. Then the securities commissions would have to come in and rule. And it was all just a big mess. So the government's like, okay, well, we'll just make it 105 days so then everybody has time to like go and check it around and do all your due diligence and all that kind of stuff. Right? Um, and one of the things that they said was that uh, was what Fred said was a interesting interesting commentary on M and A in Canada and our somewhat hard like we don't really develop champion companies like he called it right like we have like tech and and stuff but you know we remember the Falcon Bridges and uh, you know oh, yeah. all the big guy uh, companies that end up getting taken out by foreign entities and he said one of the things that the Competition uh, Bureau in the federal government talks about is how they need to make it more of a a level playing field for takeover targets so that Canada has the opportunity to build these big champion companies, right? So that was one of the goals they had when they changed the rules. Um, so where Dolly Varden comes into this, it's interesting because uh, the power placement really doesn't have much to do with the legislation. It's just that people thought, well, maybe that's going to be a way that companies now attempt to uh, fend off hostile bids. Like it might come in as a replacement for shareholder rights plans and stuff. And Fred said that's not necessarily the case. Like, uh, Companies have tried to do this previously, like use a private placement to sort of dissuade a hostile takeover, and the rulings have gone either way. But in the Dolly Varden case, the private placement was already in process before the bid, mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of uh, preconditions that made it just fine. So he said, don't view that as a as a um, sort of a precedent-setting case. But interesting stuff. So so yeah, so now there's 105 days you get when you do a hostile bid, and he said he thinks that the effect of the new legislation is going to be that you'll see less hostile bids and more sort of friendly mergers and everyone's going to be chummy in the boardroom that's going to be nice so so that was that was i wanted to touch on that because that's uh some people have asked about that and the dolly Varn case is interesting because the junior actually was like no don't take me over and it actually worked which is yeah, there you go and we also we chatted a little bit about um proxies and active uh, proxy battles and activist shareholders and stuff like that so i actually have a transcript of that that should be actually be going digital today if anybody wants to read in depth on what uh fred pletcher from blg says about the Canadian M&A market. Burr, burr, burr. Burr, burr, burr. Cool. And then, yeah, so the other thing that we wanted, <laughs> we wanted, I want to do the list you have because I'm... Oh, just get into it? Yeah, I just want to get into it because I'm excited. Well, And uh, it, is it a top 10 list today? No, it's it? not really top 10 list, everyone. It's, um, I put a question out there, sent some feelers out to a bunch of the geologists who are working super hard in the field right now, and I asked them, 
What kind of games do you play at camp when you're super bored, like waiting for a helicopter? I thought you were going to say when you're super drunk. <laughs> or maybe that too. Um, and I asked, keep PG-13 people. Uh, of course, that didn't really happen. No spin the bottle. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I got a couple of responses back. Are you keen to hear? Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if they're not PG-13. Well, it's funny because, of course, uh, well, I know what I used to do is I used to take sticks while I was waiting for a helicopter and break them up into a bunch of pieces, yeah. mix them up, and then I'd try to put them back together again like a puzzle. You That's, must have, you must have so been so bored. bored. <laughs> you know they have Kindles? You can read. So it. bored. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, well, this is before, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Back yeah, then. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, Another one, of course, we had kites came back in and a other listeners, if you haven't heard, I asked the same question about what kind of camp contraptions. Yeah, inventions, yeah. Inventions uh, geologists make in the field, and kites happen to Are be the number really one. really popular, yeah. And they're yeah, still yeah. popular for games, too, yeah. so I got some kites. Um, there's also a lot of hockey that Canadians play, especially in Australia. Oh, yeah. They said that they imported Canadian tire hockey sticks. And they just like play around in the outback. Um, That's like proper Canadians. Um, we've had uh, in 2009, a mate of mine got stuck with one other geo for a week. And so um, they made a nine hole mini golf course using plastic hole plugs on each hole. And for clubs, they uh, zip tied geo picks to the end of some wooden pegs. Oh, wow. And so he says, threw, threw in some bush kooks. I said that totally wrong. That's chickens in Australia. Ch and he said it was, a, <laughs> and it was a great way to kill time, those bush kooks. Were you, they were hitting the bush? No, <laughs> maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. How did the chickens play into this? Threw, yeah, that's true. How does that? Or did, are quote, they unquote, like, threw in some bush cooks and it was a great time way to kill time. Like kill, oh, kill maybe they cooked bush. the chicken. Chickens. I know, that's what I meant. Yeah. Maybe they made they a picnic. They definitely cooked. Yeah, oh, there you go. Okay, okay, okay. I thought they were like hitting. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> well, my, 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 I was like, whoa, that sounds crazy. Now, the best one I got, I have to make reference to that 1968 film um, called The Deer Hunter. Starring Chris ah, Walken. And John Voight. Was yes, John right. Voight was in no, it. John Savage. John Sa was it John Voight in that De Niro. movie? I know Robert. I can't remember. So Maybe anybody who John hasn't Voight. seen this movie, check it out. It's so sick. It's super good. And um, so I don't know if you remember that scene where they were prisoners of war in Vietnam and they were yeah. held underneath that cage and they were hauled out sometimes to play Russian roulette yeah, with yeah. their guns. And it was this really intense Robert De Niro yeah, and Christopher yeah. Walken stare down or something. And they just like Walken. went nuts. Anyway. So um, my mate, uh, an ex-boss actually of mine, I'm he was saying that going. instead of calling it deer hunter, him and his mates, when stuck in the field and looking for something fun to do, they played what they called the beer hunter. Is it like is it like so, Russian roulette with beers? So what they would do That's is they would get a bunch of beer and they'd shake just one can and then mix it up. And then each one of them would sit there and they'd hold the beer can to their heads. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then flip it. Flip it open to see if uh, if that was the beer. Anyway, the beer hunter, everyone. Yeah, the, <laughs> who's going to do drink that this it weekend? After? Yeah, that's a great it. idea. I, I might do that. I'm so doing that. I, I recall, like, when I think of beer roulette, I can't remember. There's a pub in Vancouver, and they have, like, a special beer, and it's on every day, and it's, like, $3 a can, but you don't know what kind of beer you're getting. They have, like, a grab box of this, like, pretty, pretty lower tier beers, like Wildcats and, like, like, Pacific Pilsner. Yeah, I was like, gonna say Pilsner. Yeah, and like all sorts of stuff, and you're just like, all right, I'll reach into the, the, uh, grab, the grab bag and get whatever <laughs> comes out, and it's never like a like a local micro craft or something. Yeah. I'll tell you that, but it's like it's you're drinking a strong fort beer there and a Wildcat <laughs> strong or something. So that's as soon as you said beer roulette, that's what I'm thinking. Like, oh, who's gonna end up with the 
with a terrible beer. Yeah, well, have fun out there, everyone, because yeah. I know the field season is totally yeah, full throttle really and lots of really good yeah. results coming out. So everyone's doing super good job. Yeah, lots of drilling. And this way year, to so. smash it out. Yeah, yeah, and way to like pick up after such a bit of a long downturn there. And before we wrap up with a sneak peek for next week's episode, I just wanted to quickly mention our sponsors. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Uh, we'd like to thank them for their continued support. Um, and please do uh, check out what's going on in the Yukon. Lots of exciting projects. Everyone remembers the uh, Gold Corp Kamenab deal. Um, some uh, really exciting stuff going on up there. Um, so a quick uh, news update. Uh, Attack Resources uh, recently announced that they are beginning a Phase 2 Diamond Drill program at the Orion Target at their Rakla Gold Project. Um, so Orion was actually discovered last year. It's 300 meters west of uh, the company's Anubis Zone. Uh, and Discovery Hole excitingly cut about 8.51 meters of 19.85 grams gold per ton. So interesting looking uh, target. And they'll be... Uh, be looking at that again this field season so do uh look forward to those results because uh they're sitting on some really interesting geology um just so everybody remembers attack is the uh discoverer i guess of uh carlin style mineralization in the yukon so please do check out their uh their ongoing exploration program this season and thank you again to the yukon mining alliance for sponsoring the northern miner podcast so to uh to wrap up maybe we'll do a little bit of a teaser on what we've got coming up here um I uh, today I dropped by B Two Gold's head office here in Vancouver, and I had to sit down with CEO cool. Clive Johnson in a very nice boardroom. Very gorgeous views there. Nice. Um, but uh, I brought all my audio gear, so we did a bunch of audio. Cool. Um, I'll be doing an article as well, but that's a little bit farther down the road. But um, next week we'll be doing some minor moments, and Clive will get his view on how to build a company and some uh, his view on where gold prices are going mm-hmm. and what the M and A market looks like and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, I am, uh, Leslie knows this, I'm going up to see IDM Mining's Red Mountain yes, next, next week. Wednesday, I think. Yeah. So I'll be headed up uh, up to uh, Stewart. Or, well, actually, I think we're flying to Terrace. I think you can actually fly into Stewart. Oh, wait a second. So you're going to be gone Wednesday. I'm leaving for vacation on Saturday. So this might be our last podcast until the following week it might be we might have a, there might, might be some be. some some filler or just like matt rambling cool. we, who knows what's gonna happen right. yeah because uh-huh. leslie's going on a, a quite lovely a extended vacation a kayaking um, adventure yeah so you'll be out of town for the week yes um to, what, where are you going Up northern to vancouver the... island oh Telegraph nice Club. i've been That's, going there for years it's beautiful lovely. yeah you just go yeah. camping around the archipelago and paddling about with the whales and stuff exactly. with my dad so <laughs> oh yeah nice dope. nice yeah. nice family time gotta family love that time. Um, so yeah, so that pretty much wraps up the show for this week. We're going to keep it relatively brief. Um, it is, uh, everybody go outside. Go outside. Yeah. What are you doing? Unless you're like listening to us on the beach, in which case you're awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. <laughs> do the, do more of that. Yeah. But if you're inside, go outside. It's gorgeous. And it's go play be, beer hunter. Try beer hunter. Beer, or beer roulette or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do it respond. Don't do it while you're driving. That's just terrible. <laughs> Don't do that. You don't want beer all over the car. Um, So, yeah. So, thank you again for joining us. We do appreciate it. This has been the Northern Miner Podcast, and I am Matthew Keevil with... Leslie Stokes. And we will talk to you next week. Kind of. Maybe. Uh Bye.